0: This podcast is brought to you by the International Budget Partnership and the International Institute for Environment and Development as part of an effort to explore issues, ideas, and examples of promising work at the intersection of people, the planet, and public finance. Support for the podcast comes from the Swedish Postcode Foundation. While no countries will be spared the negative impacts of climate change, developing countries, especially the least developed, will be hit hardest because of their location, often greater economic reliance on natural resources, and their limited capacity to prevent or respond to climate hazards. These same factors also apply to people, with strong evidence that those who are poor will be disproportionately affected by climate change. Through the Paris Agreement, the global community has committed to protecting those most at risk from extreme weather events, helping them recover and building resilience to unavoidable climatic changes. To tackle these adaptation issues, governments and businesses are mobilizing massive amounts of money. Unfortunately, too little is reaching the communities and people who need it most. I'm Delaine McCullough with the International Budget Partnership, and I'm joined by Bara Gay, the former director of IED Afrique in Senegal, and Emily Beauchamp from the International Institute for Environment and Development to help us understand why this is happening and what can be done about it. For the past few years, IIED has been involved in the development and piloting of a devolved climate finance mechanism that's showing great promise in helping to ensure that climate finance actually reaches those people and communities that face the greatest risks. Thanks Emily and Baja, for joining us today. Before we dive into your work in this area, would you give us a little background information on the main sources of public climate finance for the African countries where you're working, as well as for other developing countries? I'm specifying public funds because most adaptation is expected to happen through the provision of public goods by governments.
1: Thank you very much. Actually, the primary sources of climate finance is national budget. But the true reality is that there are very, very, very small amounts of resources that are devoted to support climate finance at a local level. Therefore, our countries rely mainly on the international large-scale funds like the green climate funds. Alongside these funds, you also have some bilateral funds that are progressively coming into play in our countries.
0: Thanks, Bara. I think the situation you've described is what we're seeing in much of Africa and in Asia and to some extent in the lesser developed countries in Latin America, where you've got governments relying mainly on domestically generated resources, which are too often insufficient to address the need. And so they're turning to the larger sources of international finance. And Emily, can you speak to some of the challenges and some of the trends that we've been seeing in this area?
2: Well, the main challenge is actually that there is first not enough money being channeled into climate finance. So even with pledges from the COP in Copenhagen in 2015, countries are supposed to commit 100 US billion dollars from 2020 to climate finance, but we know this is not going to happen because there's just a very small portion of that being implemented already. And even then, IIED research has shown that in recent years there's only 1 on 10 dollars of that funding that reached the local level so money is not reaching where it matters most and it's not taking into account local people's priorities that's really why we need more devolved climate finance in general and that by that i mean finance that reaches people that are really at the front line of the climate crisis so the men women and children that are facing everyday effects of the changes and the shocks like drought floods and they have to change their way of life and that endangers their health and ultimately their lives
0: given that There's a significant focus both within governments through their NDCs and at the international level. There's a lot of certainly talk and commitments about making adaptation investments that address the needs of vulnerable people and communities. So what are some of the factors that are getting in the way of this actually happening?
2: Well, some of the factors are some of the capacities that the government have at the moment to integrate climate into their planning mechanisms that requires the inclusion of climate risks in their prediction, but also in the way that they make decisions. Actually, one of the key points around devolved Climate Finance is to create different types of channels through which the money can reach local levels. So that can be through local government structures, like local councils, communes, or districts, but that could also be through projects, community-based initiatives, engaging with local entrepreneurs and cooperatives. And actually, the key is to really include the relevant people in the conversation, which is not happening at the moment.
0: Thanks, Emily. Baha, maybe you could speak a little bit to how countries have been responding to these challenges.
2: Well, There are different types of responses.
1: One of them is to try to build the capacity of local actors, meaning local governments and communities, to be able to design adaptation investment projects. But at the same time, also they are trying to develop adaptation projects which involve a set of stakeholders, including representatives of governments, communities, and civil society organizations to work together to build some capacity to really access to this kind of funding. The other initiative that our governments are trying to do also is to do some advocacy to simplify because one of the problem why the money is not reaching the poor is that conditions are very tight and even the procedures to access to this funding are very, very complex. And our countries have been complaining about this problem and some of them are trying to build the capacity of communities to, to advocate so that this mechanism can be simplified. Another problem is to ensure that local communities are not left aside in this process of developing projects and assure that they can have direct access to this. But I think the reality is that despite all this effort, it is still very sad to see that, that the money is not flowing to the local level.
0: Thanks, Baha. What I'd like to do now is to talk about how countries have come together with international organizations like IIED to form the Devolved Climate Finance Alliance, or the DCF Alliance, and to just talk a little bit about what the DCF Alliance is and what it's achieved so far.
2: Yes. So the DCF Alliance is born out of the experience of developing and implementing a more specific Devolved Climate Finance mechanism in four countries. So in Senegal. In, Senegal, in Mali, in Kenya, and in Tanzania, there have been devolved climate finance mechanisms that have been piloted. For example, by in Senegal, by EOD Afrique and EED, and other organisations, both NGOs and government partners. And these consortiums came together to develop a mechanism that has processes to ensure that money reaches the local levels to be equitable, fair, and to meet people's needs. For example, seventy percent of the climate funds must be spent and decided at the local level so it also uses different types of tools and decision support system for example mapping uh, how and where people are being affected by climate impact so that local communities and local actors can best decide together what kind of investment should be done at the local level and where it should be and most importantly in this mechanism local governments work through adaptation committees that include local people and local organization and technical services to decide together where the investments are. So women and other marginalized groups are included in these decisions so that the process is more fair. It also includes, amongst other things, a way to track and to evaluate how well and where the money has been spent. So these are some of the technical details. But since 2012, the DCF mechanism has been successfully implemented in different areas in Senegal, Kenya, Tanzania and Mali and hopefully is going to go to other countries soon.
0: Thanks for that overview, Emily. It sounds like this approach has a lot of potential to address some of those issues that we've been discussing. It might be useful to take a look at what's happening in one or two countries. Baha, could you help us with that? The
1: Senegal experience is quite similar to the Mali experience because the DCF has been implemented in West Africa by a consortia of three organizations, uh, the Near East Foundation, IAID, and IAD Africa. I think, as Emily just said, the end goal of DCF is really to ensure that the model that we have been piloting in this country is integrated in the national public finance system. And in Mali, NEF has been working with ANICETE, which is the main national organization in charge of funding local development, so that she can become a a GF national implementing entity based on the DCF model, and the process is working very well. At the same time, in Senegal, we have been working with the national local development program which is in charge of financing local development to ensure that climate change is really mainstream in the national training guide on local development and we have been able to have them revise the national guide and at the same time we have in place a multi-stakeholder national platform bringing together the key ministries environment uh, local government finance and other uh, sector ministry including programs to reflect on how the DCF model can be externalized. And now the platform has been formally set up, and even after the DCF project closed, the platform is working very well, and it's now being coordinated by the Ministry on charge of local government. I think this is a quite clear sign of sustainability of the model that we have been trying to to develop in these two countries.
0: It's really quite challenging to bring all of these different actors together and, and so it sounds like a lot of progress has been made but what I would ask is what are the challenges that remain particularly around engaging those who are especially marginalized like women in the DCF process?
2: Well we've been seen that the DCF Alliance mechanism has been great to increase participation from different actors and one of the key points that we've heard back from people engaged in it is that it creates new and lasting relationships so it actually creates ways of working together that have outlasted the life of the project and make sure that the inclusion and participation is becoming a way of making planning and decisions. What we've noticed though is that there is still more work to be done to truly integrate women's voices into planning and decisions. And that is especially the case in cultures where women don't traditionally have a place in this. So one of the great lessons that we've learned is that we really need to work to bring women in each and every step of the way. Doing it just at the beginning, the middle and the end is is not enough. It really needs to be a further accompaniment process.
0: And then how do you support the women through the process? Is it just a matter of bringing them into the discussions or their additional capacities and other types of support that they need to have really meaningful input?
1: There have been some actions that have been implemented in both countries to strengthen the leadership capacity of women. If you take the case of Senegal, there is a parity law, which means that you will have equal numbers of women and men in the municipal councils. But the problem is not really uh, arithmetic representation, but to ensure that those who are sitting in these councils have the, the capacity to really voice their need. In, in Mali and Senegal, we've put a lot of energy, not only in ensuring that people and women sit in decision-making committees, but also that they have been trained to have the capacity to voice their needs. The other thing that we've been very careful about is to ensure that that women also have uh, access to the investment. The focus in public goods has this particular objective to ensure that all the actors can access to the investment, but a particular attention to given to women and a large share of the funding that were put available to the municipalities in the two countries went to support women's activities. And it's not just about economic investment, it was about investing in their social and and human capital through training and and supporting their own organizations.
0: Thanks, Baha. It's so important to go beyond just getting equal numbers of women or other marginalized groups into. To the process into providing them with the ability and with the platforms that they can use to have a real impact. Well, we're getting near the end of time. So my final question is going to be what's next for devolved Climate Finance?
1: There are a few initiatives already underway through the Alliance and also in West Africa, the process of, of nationalization of the model is underway. One of the steps is to ensure that the alliance is strengthened and widened to ensure that other experience are brought in so that we can have different perspective and different approach to this year. The other step is to ensure that the platform in Senegal is really working well and we are working with the ministry in charge of local government to really provide the space for local government representatives to take a, a good place in this platform. At the same time in Mali the accreditation process is progressing very well and we have to ensure that after the accreditation is completed that the model which has been taken as the basis for funding climate resilient local development is really taken into account in the future climate project. We need also to continue doing some advocacy to donor because we've been spending a lot of effort talking to our governments, but I think it's the right time to also talk to the donor. There is an initiative by the LDCs around climate finance and the DCAF model has been taken as a model that they will try to promote for future mobilization of resource to fund climate initiative.
2: Thanks, Baha. Emily, would you like to add anything? Yeah, I'd like to add to Baha. Speaking about advocacy to donors, actually, a key thing is that DCF works a lot in participatory ways, and that takes time. So it's basically challenging the core of how public finance and planning systems work, kind of changing the contract between the state and its citizens. So that doesn't happen overnight. So countries, but also donors, They really need to be open and ready for long-term programs to different ways of managing money, relationships, and generally of new ways of doing development. So that's part of the next steps. Well, I really want to
0: thank you and Barra for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing where devolved Climate Finance goes next. Merci, Delaine. Thank
1: you very much.
0: And thanks to our listeners. If you'd like to learn more, visit www.iied.org and search on DCF for links to resources and content context on devolved climate finance. And please visit www.3ppodcast.org. That's the number three ppodcast.org for links to this and other episodes of the People, Planet, and Public Finance Podcast.